Children can be horrible to each other, but usually this is just bullying or a school fight. Not torturing one another and beating them so badly they finally succumb to their injuries. Today we talk about the extremely graphic story of Junko Furuta. Viewer discretion is advised. Hey guys, and welcome to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and before I get into anything, I want to put a warning at the beginning of this episode. This episode contains a large amount of graphic content. Obviously, you know everything on this podcast is explicit, and we talk about the nitty gritty and all of that. Um, If you've listened for a long time, you already know that. But this episode in particular could be very disturbing to some viewers. Young children and people sensitive to graphic content, especially graphic content to a child, are advised to discontinue listening. It's very hard to make me sick to my stomach when we talk about certain things. It's really easy for me to dissociate, as bad as that is to say. But this case was rough, even for me. And there is a lot of graphic content, a lot of talking about torture, a lot of horrible things that this poor 16-year-old girl was subjected to that I just want to make it very clear. Viewer discretion is advised. Anyways, if you're still here, welcome back. It's great to see everybody again. I was originally going to put this one in the manic murder section, but after I finished researching the case and deciding on a bunch of different things, I decided that since they were teenagers, 16 to 18, the people that were responsible, I was still going to put this in the murderous minors. If you couldn't already tell by the title or by me saying her name in the beginning, this is a case from Japan. I suck at saying names, I suck at English in general, and that is my first language and only language, but I really am bad at Japanese names. So I'm just letting you know right now, if I screw her name up or anybody else's name in this, I am sorry. And I'm trying my best. I looked up how to pronunciate the names and I'm hoping that I pronounce them right. Anyways, I don't think there's anything new since I talked to you guys on Friday, so we can just go ahead and jump right in. Now, Junko Furuta was born on January 18th, 1971 in Japan. Junko would grow up in what sounded like a great household. Both of her parents, her two brothers, one older and one younger, and it really was a picture-perfect household. She is said to have grown into her features more and more every day. By the time she attended high school, she was beautiful. Everybody in high school wanted to be friends with her, but Junko never let that get to her head. She made friends, she was kind, but she really focused on her schooling. She hardly skipped class, she didn't get into any trouble, she didn't do drugs or alcohol. She was just overall what sounds like a very happy, popular girl. 
Junko would also go and get a job while she was in high school. Now, it's definitely hard to balance working and attending school, but Junko easily did it. She got a part-time job as a plastic molder in a factory. A big reason she did decide to work while she was in school, though, was because she had planned this big graduation trip, and she needed to save money in order to go on this trip. She managed working and going to school perfectly. She even had enough time and energy to start looking outside of this part-time job and her schooling to find something that would suit her better once she graduated and when she was back from that vacation. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that goes to school doesn't work. I mean, I had a full-time job while I was in school and I balanced them both very well. I didn't go full-time to school my last senior year, which is why I had a full-time job, but I balanced them as well. I know a lot more people who also worked and went to school and held their grades really well and made money, but I do know that there are some people who that balance is just not that easy and they struggle and their grades fall behind or they start calling out at work and it just causes some issues. And I do know, at least from my friends that I have in Japan, about how different their schooling is than the United States. It sounds to me like the curriculum in Japan is a lot more strict than it is in the United States. If I remember right, one of my friends who came down here as a foreign exchange student, she spent an entire year here, you guys, a year of high school in the United States. But when she went back, that year of high school did not count and she still had to take another year of high school in Japan before she could graduate. And I just know that it sounds much stricter, much harder. So the fact that Junko was doing both of these just proves, you know, how she was easily able to balance her time and her energy. On her hunt for jobs to work at after graduation, because she did not plan on staying at this molding factory, she managed to find a job that she liked as an electronic retailer. It sounded like she had already talked to the manager and they had already agreed that she would have this job ready and lined up for her after she graduated and went on her vacation. Even with this job though, Junko knew that this was not the end of her plans. She wanted to become a singer. She looked up to singers. She even watched TV shows over and over that were based around singing and she knew that that is what she was striving to be. All of this was temporary and one day she was going to be a singer. She sounds like a great girl, right? You would get along with her so well. She was beautiful. She was kind. She was balanced. She was happy. But even though she was loved by a lot of people, she was also hated by some as well. That's how life is for you. You're going to have a ton of people that like you and you're going to have a ton of people that hate you. You're going to be the savior in some people's stories and you're going to be the enemy. It's just how life works. Like I said earlier, Junko was a very good student. She stayed away from drugs and alcohol. She hardly skipped school. She was a good student. And there were some people that hated how good of a student she was. One of the people that didn't like her was named Hiroshi Miyano. Now, he had a crush on her, which is funny that he didn't like her. 
and he had asked her out at one point, but Junko turned him down. This was either because she was not interested in dating at the time or because Hiroshi was not a very good guy. Hiroshi was an 18 year old and he was a very, very bad kid. He was mean, he was breaking the rules all the time, he started shoplifting at a young age and damaging properties when he was only in elementary school, you guys. It sounded like he applied for a private school, but only ended up attending for less than a year. And he would later drop out and go on to work to try and gain money. And either Junko, like I said, didn't want to date in high school, or she did not like what Hiroshi did. Hiroshi liked drugs and alcohol, he liked to party, and it sounds like he was part of a gang. We'll get back to that gang. And this just made Hiroshi hate her more. He hated that she was this goody two-shoes, that she was a great student, beautiful, and didn't want to go out with him. And this hate would just grow more and more and more in him. Now, he had a couple of friends in this gang that they were a part of. I am not sure what gang this was. I could not find that information out anywhere. It did sound like a pretty big gang though. But a couple more of these friends in this were named Yashisi Watanabe, Joe Ogura, and Shinjin Minato. Now, I don't have much information on Joe and Shinjin, but Joe was 17 years old and Shinjin was 16 years old. I do have a little bit of information on Yashisi though that I wanted to talk about really quick. If we go back to Hiroshi, he wasn't always a terrible kid. I mean, he stole and vandalized things, so wasn't great, but he would actually drop out of school because he wanted to get a job as a tile worker. Hiroshi was so in love with his current girlfriend that he decided that she was the one he wanted to marry, and he needed to make money to buy a ring and get married to her. But quickly, Hiroshi would discover that this tile working job did not make him enough money. At this point, he would move in with Yashisi to try and just make ends meet, save some more money, but it was not enough money in his opinion. He was unable to get a higher paying job since he never finished schooling and did not have that diploma. This is when Hiroshi would meet some gang members and he would happily join their gang so that he could pocket more money to marry his girlfriend. This gang that he would join would encourage him to instigate in some sex crimes. Because of this quote-unquote new job with the gang and these sex crimes that he was now committing, his girlfriend would end up leaving Hiroshi because she did not support that kind of thing. Now Hiroshi was in this gang living with Yashisi and these boys around him, his friends Joe, Shinjin, and Yashisi would join this gang as well. I don't know if I mentioned that Yashisi was 17 years old. Now, this story is going to mostly revolve around these four boys and Junko. So let's just go back to ages really quick so you can kind of get an idea of how old they were. Junko was 16, Hiroshi was 18, Joe was 17, Shinjin was 16, and Yashisi was 17. All minors. Besides Hiroshi, if you classify him as an adult at 18, I do, I'm not entirely sure why the authorities classified him as a minor at this point, but for some reason they did. 
Once these boys joined this gang, they would just start doing one thing after another thing against the law. They were punks. They were rude. They were not great to be around. They engaged in drugs and alcohol. They stole items, purses, they robbed places, and they began to rape people. They were not new at all to the crime game when they came across Junko. On November 25th, 1988, little five foot five inch Junko would be kidnapped by the four teenage boys. Now these boys had kidnapped and raped another girl at one point that they did end up releasing. And when they left their home that day, or really Yashasi's home because that's where they lived, they would be leaving with the intent on just raping a girl. And that is when they would run across Junko coming home from work one day. Junko was riding her bike home when the boys decided that she was going to be the next target. I do feel like, and this is not fact or anything like that, this is strictly my feelings, the reason they picked Junko was because Hiroshi liked Junko and was mad that she did not like him back. I have no proof that that is why they picked Junko, but that is just how I feel. The plan was to have Shinjin run towards Junko, and I saw some conflicting evidence here. I saw some places that he ran towards her and scared her off her bike. I saw other places claim that he kicked her off of her bike and just ran off, pretending like he was not with the group of boys. The other boys that were with him split off, and when Junko was on the ground, Hiroshi approached her. He helped her up, and told her that he would walk her home so that she could get home safe. Junko, being this sweet little girl who believed him, accepted his offer. They began to walk off together, and instead of walking her home, Hiroshi would lead her to a warehouse, where the plan was to rape her. Once they arrived, Hiroshi overpowered her and, just like the plan, raped her in this abandoned warehouse. After he finished raping her, he threatened her and led her to a hotel. Once they arrived, he would rape her again and then threaten her again, this time to kill her if she tried to leave. Once he was done raping her, he would call his friends over and they would all arrive. This is where, in front of Junko, Hiroshi would begin to brag about how he raped her and what he did to her. And Joe decided that they should keep Junko with them. She put up no fight, according to Hiroshi, with being raped, with being attacked. And if anybody else wanted to rape her, they could offer her up. All of the boys agreed that this sounded like a great idea. Once they decided that that was what they were going to do, they began to rummage through her backpack. This is where they would find a lot of personal information about her, specifically her address. The next morning came around and they informed her that they were taking her out and they would take her to a park. This is when they told her that they knew where she lived and that if she fought against them or tried to escape, they would travel to her home and kill her entire family, proving to her that they knew her address. This is where they would then take her to Shiji's home. And you guys, these boys would make the end of her life a living horror movie. They would hold her hostage at Shijin's second floor house and proceed to rape and torture her 
for the next 40 days. I saw a little bit of conflicting evidence here as well. I saw some places say it was 40 days and some places say it was closer to 43 to 44 days. Either way, they held her for so long. By this point, her family knew that she was missing and they knew that something was wrong. So, on November 27th, her family filed a missing persons report and an investigation officially started. But once the boys caught wind that they decided to look for her, they knew they had to find some way to keep her hidden. So they forced her to call her mother on three different occasions and inform her mother that she had just ran away and that she was staying with friends and was safe and her mother needed to stop looking for her and that she did not want to come home. Now, are you guys ready to get mad? Because this is where I started to get mad. Junko was being held captive at Shinjin's home. It did not sound like his parents were home that often, but when they were home at the beginning, they forced Junko to act like she was Shinjin's girlfriend. This did not last long. Apparently, it sounds like the parents suspected something from day one. And once the boys were absolutely sure that the parents were not going to turn them in and were not going to call the police on them, they stopped acting like they were dating. And it was very clear at this point to his parents that they were holding this young girl hostage and torturing her. And they did not call the authorities. I will tell you that later down the line, when questioned about this, his parents claimed that they were so afraid of Shinjin that they did not want to call the police on them because they were afraid of what their son would do to them. They were afraid he would get more violent or worse towards them, so they just decided to keep it a secret. This makes me so mad. So mad that they literally would let these boys torture a 16 year old because they were afraid of their son. There is a million and a half other things that they could have done to keep themselves safe if they thought he was going to hurt them. They could have told the authorities that it was not a situation where these boys could have hidden the fact that they had this girl. The authorities could have shown up at their house any day and found her plain as day in this home with these injuries, with clear signs of rape and abuse, and these parents just didn't say anything. It is your job as a parent to protect not only your kids, but to protect people from your kids if they are a danger. And if that means putting yourself in danger to do that job, then that's what you do. You see parents all over that step in front of a car for their kids, that push their kids out of the way from a car. They sacrifice themselves for their kids, it's not a situation where you can just ignore it and it'll go away, especially with how bad things got for her. Maybe, maybe a week before it was clear that the torture was happening. But these parents were seeing all of these things happening to her and they didn't say anything. And just wait, as we get more into it, you are going to get madder and madder at these parents. Because what she went through is ridiculous that they did not call the authorities. They could have saved her life and they didn't. I have a great example that shows just how unwilling the parents were to do anything, anything about this situation. They knew that Junko was staying 
with the boys. They knew she was staying there. They knew she was being held captive at this point. And the night of November 28th, Hiroshi was over and decided to invite two other boys to the home. These boys, Tetsuo Nakamura and Kuichi Ihara, they would go to this home and Hiroshi would take them upstairs where Junko was at. Junko was dressed in a long-sleeved shirt and a skirt that Hiroshi had stolen from her clothing store at the time. These boys would be hanging out with her and decide to drink cough syrup together. This is when they would start acting like this cough syrup was drugs and that they were all super high. And Junko decided that she was going to try and escape. She didn't get very far. Hiroshi grabbed her by the legs and yanked her back to them. Kuichi would then hold a pillow over her mouth until she would go quiet because this whole time she was screaming at the top of her lungs. And Shinjin's parents would wake up because of the screams and come upstairs. The boys told them that nothing was going on and they just needed to go back to sleep. And the parents listened. They turned around and went back into their room and went back to sleep. This is when Junko would be gang raped by the boys while she was unconscious. Things just got worse and worse for her at this point, and I cannot imagine what she was going through. There are some reports that these boys themselves have come out and said. These include inviting other men of this gang over, and some teenagers in this gang, to the home to rape Junko. I'm unaware if they were getting anything out of this, or if it was just, hey, come rape the girl that I'm holding hostage. I do know that it was reported that Junko was raped over 500 times by over 100 different men and teenagers in her 40 days of captivity. The boys did tell the authorities that they were not all single incidences. Some of them were gang rapes. Some of them were back-to-back rapes. At some point, she had been raped over 12 times in one day. Those are just some of the sexual assault charges that these boys were charged with. They also admitted, and it was clear, that they had tortured Junko. They would not only beat and torture her physically, but they would also humiliate her at any chance that they got. They would force her to dance naked in front of them, forced her to masturbate in front of them. They would shave her pubic hair, and at one point they even left her out on the balcony with very little clothing for an entire night. These boys were relentless to Junko. One of the other things that they would do would hang her from the ceiling and use her as their personal punching bag. Now guys, this is not where this ends. I tried to keep the first part of this softer before we really get into a lot of the terrible things they did to this girl. This way, if you cannot stomach this episode, you will not be able to stomach next week's episode on it. Next week, we are going to go more into depth about what they did to this girl. I feel like it is important that her story is out there, especially because these boys got off so easy for it. I'm leaving today's case like this. Next time, we're going to talk about the sexual assaults that they did to her. We are going to talk about more of the abuse that she was subjected to. And we're going to talk about the last day she was alive, the dumping of her body, 
and then what these boys were charged with. And you guys, it is going to be a hard episode. Because Junko should not have gone through any of the stuff that she went through. And those goddamn parents could have saved her. And they chose not to. There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.